this is the gospel for Jews and Gentiles alike. Uh, and you're either one or the other, you know. All of us need a Savior. And Jesus, His very name is that the Lord, Yahweh, is a Savior. And He came to save His people from their sins. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, He says later in this book. I've come to the sick ones. I've come to seek and to save the lost. We need to be found. And the Lord came to do just that. He came to rescue, to deliver. This word for save is a beautiful word. He takes us from wrecked and makes us whole. Uh, he takes us from lost, not knowing which way to go, and gives us direction in life. He takes us from guilty and forgives us. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Untainted by Adam's Sin. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. Uh, we looked at it last time, if you just glance at it, Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's a very Jewish gospel, and he traces for 17 verses, he traces the genealogy of Christ because this didn't happen in a vacuum. The Messiah was to be the son of David. He was to be the son of Abraham. And of course, even saying that, the son of David, Solomon, was a king. The son of Abraham, Isaac, was offered. He wasn't, but he almost was. And then God provided a substitute. But in each case, the pictures of the coming one who would be king and who would be offered a sacrifice, uh, the Hebrew prophets built anticipation in this coming one. He couldn't just be anybody. He couldn't just, you know, do well in Iowa and then make it to the Caucasus or whatever. You know, no, no. No, it wasn't a matter of human approval. He had to be born into the right family, and he was, and we saw it last week. And before I even leave that, I'll just say that leads to uh, the next section. Look at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Okay, that's his genealogy. Now the birth. And by the way, the Greek term, if you're reading it, you know, now the genesis, <laughs> the beginning of Jesus, the birth, the word for birth, genesis. And you can hear, even just saying it, the, our English words, genealogy, genesis, and you say, okay, now we've seen his human genealogy. Now, really, in verses 18 through 25, and that's what we want to look at today, we see his, um, his divine genealogy, if you will, uh, if you want to put it that way. Uh, let me just read it. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he considered this, behold, an angel the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name 
Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now, I think it's good to read that in September, not just December, uh, because we're talking about the entrance of this unique personality, uh, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus the Nazarene, Peter said when he spoke of him and pointing out to Jerusalem that he had risen from the dead. We're talking about his entrance into the human race. And as I said, if verses 1 through 17 gives the human genealogy, and by the way, I mentioned last time, but for those of you who have looked at these things, Matthew's genealogy, because he's writing to the Jews, traces his legal title back to Abraham. But uh, he wasn't born of Joseph, okay? And so that's just his legal, he was legally Joseph's son in the sense that he had the legal title to the son of David through Joseph. But Luke's, Luke's genealogy, you'll find it over in Luke 3, goes all the way back to Adam. And if you look and compare them, it goes back uh, and it says basically as it was being thought that he was the son of Joseph. But Luke's genealogy traces Mary's lineage. Uh, the real one, if you will, the human side of it, and the humanity of Jesus being the great emphasis of Luke, and it traces back to David, not through Solomon, but through Nathan. But then when you get to David, you'll see they connect. So Mary and Joseph were both uh, descendants of David through a different line, but from David back to Abraham and back to Adam then, of course, it's the same genealogy, but I would take it that, and most uh, Bible teachers agree that Luke's is the one of Mary, Matthew's is the one of Joseph, but now we're going to look at where he was really born, who, you know, his real father, if you will. And uh, so having said that, verse 18, uh, just let me reread it. In one majestic verse, this stupendous truth is uh, stated. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, notice what he says. Before they came together, he's very carefully stating that. Jesus was not born of Joseph. He was born of a woman. He was born of a virgin. We're going to see it stated twice here. And uh, he was uniquely entering 
the human race. In fact, God, way back on the second page of the Bible, had said, in pronouncing the curse on the serpent, he said, the seed of the woman will bruise you on the head. You'll bruise him on the heel. And it was a veiled reference to this event because you don't normally speak of, and we wouldn't speak of, the seed of the woman. No, it's the seed of the man. But it was a veiled reference to one who would be born of woman. And Paul picks up on this in Galatians, and he says, Jesus, born under the law, born of a woman, was our Savior. So, Jesus, and I say this because he is untainted by Adam's sin. Uh, many of you are parents, and you know that there's nothing quite like it when you bring a child into this world. And you look at that little angel, you know, and you rightfully just, you love him or her, and, but you're really kidding yourself if you think it's a little angel, right? Uh, now, maybe at your office, there is one person, oh, no, there isn't, who is untainted by Adam's sin. Have you found one in your office that never does anything, never thinks anything? No, no, we're sinful. We're sinful. Christianity is the only explanation, by the way. All the worldviews that try to help man just improve himself into perfection. Now, we're messed up with sin. We're born into Adam's sin. As by sin, or as by one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, Romans 5.12 says. We all die because we're all sinners. We all were born into Adam's sin. Save one. There is one who was born of a virgin. Well, verse 18, before they came together, she was found to be with child. Now, I want you to just notice the reverence of the Bible in this. Uh, it states it point blank, but it doesn't go into detail, and uh, I think we should be careful. I read in Luke, and this is to me, uh, Luke 1.35, when Mary was blown away, how could this be? When, she, when it was announced to her that she's going to have a baby, she said, I haven't known a man. How could this be? She honestly asked the angel, and the angel said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Now, I can't, I can't hear that without rejoicing because I know him. He has saved me. He's forgiven me. He's given me life. And so, but I ask you to stop for a moment and I even tell myself, we hear this. We read verse 18. She was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. We read it with joy. Just imagine Joseph. What does he hear? What does he see? It isn't joy at all. Imagine his dilemma. He naturally assumes, and everyone around him naturally assumes, oh yeah, right, born of a virgin. No, betrayal, unfaithfulness, immorality. Uh, and Joseph, verse 19. And by the way, the Bible doesn't pull punches. The Bible tells the greatest story ever told. The Bible tells the whole story of history without uh, 
editing out sin mm -hmm. and sinful responses and everything else. And so I just say that because it, I want to say uh, it exudes, I should, I, I guess I would say it's authentic. It's not a whitewashed story as you read the Bible. Uh, don't ever criticize the Bible that way unless you've read it. And once you read it, you'll say, no, it doesn't. It tells it like it is. Okay. Well, anyway, Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away privately, secretly. His, uh, he's heartbroken. He's righteous. He assumes what any one of us would assume. And so he desires to put her away with the least amount of public shame. But as he mulled this over, verse 20, when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Wow, this is good news. From a bleak, depressed, what, what, what should I do? I'll just, I'll just end it. I'll put her away privately. I'll try to minimize the shame for her, but I'm just... And of course, the shame that would come to him, it looked like he was guilty. It looked like he was just walking. All that, from that to the good news. An angel tells him, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Uh, for Joseph, it had to be amazingly good news. And for Mary, now she's not alone. Uh, you can imagine her as, as he, she told him that she's with child. And his response, let me have some time to think. And as he mulls this over, now, she's not alone. The Lord told her, him, too. Now there's two of them. But I will tell you this. Think about it. I would take it that Zacharias and Elizabeth, if you've read Luke's account, uh, you'd know that they were also pregnant in a supernatural way, but not through virgin. Uh, but, you know, God intervened in their old age. They would be probably the only two other people in all the world who would know and believe them at this point. So they're standing not alone together, but uh, still lonely, okay? And move on. Uh, verse 21, she will bear a son, the angel goes on. By the way, this is the only thing verifiable. There was no ultrasound in those days. You know? So the angel could predict the gender of the baby. But, you know, unbelief would say, yeah, 50-50, bound to be right part of the time. But it, that's the only thing that God is pleased when we take him at his word. And Joseph heard God's word through this angel. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. Joshua, we often hear the term said. It's the name. It's a, it was a common name, Yahshua, Yahweh, or Jehovah saves. Okay? 
and it is he who will save his people from their sins. Uh, you know, this is the Jewish gospel, but I'll tell you what, this is the gospel for Jews and Gentiles alike. Uh, and you're either one or the other, you know. All of us need a savior. And Jesus, his very name is that the Lord, Yahweh, is a savior. And he came to save his people from their sins. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, he says later in this book. I've come to the sick ones. I've come to seek and to save the lost. Uh, we need to be found. And the Lord came to do just that. He came to rescue, to deliver. This word for save is a beautiful word. He takes us from wrecked and makes us whole. Uh, he takes us from lost, not knowing which way to go, and gives us direction in life. He takes us from guilty and forgives us. You know, I've been thinking about it. In fact, I was meditating on it just this morning, that uh, what the Bible says about sin and how much we've neglected it as a culture. So it's very possible that you got up this morning and you get up every morning and you never really think too much about sin and nobody tells you about sin. And uh, sin is not a word that's talked about much. And if it does come up, oftentimes it, the people mentioning it are criticized. And so you can go to your work, you can go through life, and we can kind of minimize that we're going to stand before a righteous God. And in fact, nobody really believes that anymore. You can try to convince yourself. But what I've been mulling over is the first chapter of Romans because I wrote Marshall in Kenya uh, a little encouragement I didn't write, I emailed him, but you know what I'm saying. And I was thinking through Romans 1 just a bit, and uh, I know no matter how much you've put your sin out of your mind, no matter how much the guys at the office tell you, don't worry about it, we all, we all do it, you know. No matter how much we've as a culture said, there's not really sin to you is not sin to me, and there's really no standard. No matter how much we've tried to put it away, you know. I know that I am worthy of death, Romans 1 says. They not only know they're worthy of death, but they give hearty approval to others to plunge in with them because misery loves company. That's where we're at as a culture. And so I'm telling you, you might have not thought about it. Maybe you put it out of your mind, but you can't totally suppress it. You know, the Scripture says, I know. And in fact, the Bible says, if the Lord kept track of sin... If you, O oh Lord, kept track of sin, O oh Lord, who could stand? That's the 130th Psalm. And I'm telling you what, he does. Oh, Scott, they, they believed that back pre-Civil War. No, I know they did, because they believed the Bible, some of them. But it's still true. He does keep track of sin. If the Lord should count iniquities, O oh Lord, who could stand? But... The psalmist goes on. I'm quoting verse 3 and 4. There is forgiveness with you. God is a God of forgiveness. He sent his son to give us life, to save us from our sin. In fact, Hebrews says, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. But he only says that after underlining the great sacrifice that Jesus did. Jesus came to die that we might not have to. He came to give his life a ransom for many. And uh, I just want to encourage you today that if you hear nothing else, I'm telling you, you can be forgiven. 
but you can only be forgiven through Jesus Christ. God is serious about sin. He won't just wink at it. Uh, he's going to deal with it. And the wages of sin is death. And his son died in your place and in my place. Well, this took place, verse 22, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. I'll tell you, uh, you're going to see that in Matthew time after time. I don't know how many times, but uh, this is one of hundreds of prophecies. I didn't misspeak. Didn't you mean to say dozens? Didn't you mean to say scores? No, hundreds. As you go through the Old Testament, there are hundreds of prophecies about this coming Messiah. And he picks one. He says, this took place that what was spoken through the prophet, and I'll tell you which prophet because we've looked it up. <laughs> you know, it's Isaiah. They knew that. The Jewish audience, they knew their Bibles well enough to know that this is Isaiah 53. You know. Behold, or excuse me, it's not Isaiah 53, it's Isaiah 7. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and she will bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which translated, and I'm glad he told us this because we Gentiles, you know, we may not know what Emmanuel means. God with us. God with us. And uh, so you have verse 21, his name is Jesus. Verse 23, Emmanuel. He's not only the Redeemer, the one who saves us from our sins, he's the revealer of God. So today, if you're saying, well, if I could just see God, if I could just know him, I'm telling you, if you want to know God, look at Emmanuel. Look at this one whose very name is God with us. He said at the end of his ministry, you know, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And he said, have I been so long with you, Philip, and you haven't come to know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is the image of the invisible God, the enfleshment, the incarnation. God became man and dwelt among us. He is God with us, Emmanuel. And so if you want to know about God, you'll know. You want to know about his love? Look at Jesus. You want to know about his forgiveness? Look at Jesus. You want to know about his rat righteous holiness? Look at Jesus. He made this claim repeatedly. And in fact, that's why he said later, uh, in John 5, and this is John 5, 23, He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Untainted by Adam's Sin, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. Southwest Bible would like to invite you to our outdoor Sunday evenings this coming August 6th through the 27th. We'll be hosting four different events this August, from our first responders night on the 6th to our annual car show on the 27th. 
Head over to our website, swbible.org, for more information about times and events. We hope to see you there. If you've ever wanted Pastor Scott's sermon library in the palm of your hand, we have a new app available called the Abide app. It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Along with the sermon library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please consider downloading the Abide app in either the Apple or Google App Stores. We'd love to get this valuable resource into your hands. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us, which translated means just that, God with us. Now, this is the first of dozens of Hebrew prophecies written centuries earlier. The the Old Testament closed 400 years B.C. Most of the Old Testament was written centuries earlier than that. Isaiah was written around 700 years before Christ. And this is the first of dozens of prophecies that Matthew will underline because he's writing to a Jewish audience. He says, this is what your Bible said. This is what the scriptures pointed to. This was to fulfill what Isaiah had said. Join us again next time as we continue our study of Matthew's gospel. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled, Come to Worship the King. Till then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.